In our time of pandemics, economic chaos, and political strife, is God still in control? Find out as we talk with prophecy expert Jeff Kinley on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs here with co-host Joseph Kerr, and we're honored to join you today. How are we to respond to the growing instability in our world? Jesus told his disciples in John 9, 4, We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Here to talk about this issue today is Jeff Kinley. Jeff is a best-selling author and speaker whose mission is to empower people with God's vintage truth. He's the author of more than 30 books, including his latest title, Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis. Jeff, welcome back to A View from the Wall. Great to be back with you guys. Yes, well, we are excited to join you once again and talk about your new book. You refer in your new book, Aftershocks, to a new era of global crisis, and we certainly see some of that in our world today. But let's start off by talking about this discussion in your book about what Bible prophecy really says about the last days. Some people think that there's going to be this sudden change that happens, this tumultuous time right before the rapture. Others see it as more of a gradual decline. Talk a little bit about your discussion on this theme in the book, aftershocks. Yeah, well, the, the book basically was birthed out of seeing what in the world we've gone through. It sounds like we were in this giant car pileup right. on the highway, and everybody's just sort of shaking their head going, what just happened? What just happened? And so me, like everybody else, was looking around, just asking ourselves, you know, what's going to come as a result of all this? And so immediately I, I looked to the scripture, and I looked at my world, and I thought, oh, wow, the scripture says this, and I see this happening in my world. And and just begin to make that connection about, just like an earthquake, there's always aftershocks right. after the earthquake. So I'm asking myself, what are going to be the ripple effects, the, the domino aftershocks from the year that we had in 2020? And what did that birth out of that? Of course, Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24 that, that the signs of the end times leading up to his actual return will be like birth pangs. And as we all know, birth pangs increase not only in intensity, but in frequency as you get closer to the actual birth. And even though I think Jesus is actually talking about the tribulation period in that that instance, there is a principle there that we see in the formation of Bible prophecy. And of course, I believe that the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. There's literally no signs that tell us this is going to happen next week or next month or next year. But I do believe we can see things in formation that are happening around us now and begin to see kind of like we are in a season that is favorable for this type of uh, fulfillment to happen. So, so yeah, it's, it's both a continual times, but at other times it's more intense. And uh, we don't get to choose what happens, but it seems like this past year and the aftershocks from it have really accelerated many of the things that Bible prophecy talks about. I love that you point that out because there are plenty of books and discussions we've had with other authors and other experts that talk about how society is declining and we've seen the gradual change since the 70s and all those things. But it seems like we 
just crammed all of that into one year in 2020. So it certainly feels like that increase in birth pains and that intensity has changed. So there are people asking, and rightly, is God really in control? Because it sure doesn't feel like it. How, how do you answer that? Yeah, it really does look like that things are just sort of out of control. There's nobody at the helm, nobody at the switch kind of thing. I have an entire chapter in Aftershocks uh, called Be Still and Know That I'm God. And after I outline all of the things, guys, that are, that are going on in the world today and what Bible prophecy has to say and where we're headed in this rapidly advancing train down the tracks, that we have to pause. We have to kind of go back to Scripture and find out what does God say about tumultuous times? What does He say about global upheaval? What does He say about times when the earth itself could change? And so I take the reader all the way back to Psalm 46, and we just do a deep dive into there. And that's where we find the comfort and the peace and the serenity that only comes from the truth that God gives us. And and we learn from that, that yes, God is in control. In fact, when you jump into Revelation, one of the very first things uh, that that Jesus did for John in John chapter, or excuse me, Revelation chapter four, was he took John to heaven to show him that God was still on his throne. Because I think John needed to know that what happens in Revelation six through nineteen is going to really wreck your world. It's going to play with your mind. It's going to mess with your emotions. And so you need to go ahead of time thirteen times in eleven verses. Uh, the word throne is mentioned. And I think that's Jesus' way of communicating to John and showing him that God is still steering history, uh, even in the midst of this chaos and the things that are happening are being allowed by him. Uh, But he's the one that is guiding history to its appointed end. Well, one thing I like to point out to people today is if you're not already aware, our friend Jeff Kinley is not only an author of more than 30 books, which is a huge library to read by itself. He's also a popular podcaster, and he has his podcast, Vintage Truth, that he's talking about right now, the urgency of Bible prophecy. I want to encourage you to check that out at jeffkinley.com. But the urgency of Bible prophecy is a great theme. It gives us this idea that the Bible prophecy is more urgent now than even a few years ago, what would you say in response to those who ask about the importance of Bible prophecy in our world today? Why should we study it? Why is it important for this moment? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I think back uh, at the time of the American Revolution, how, you know, there were rumblings, there were rumors, there were, you know, people whispering in corners that, oh, you know, the Brits may come, the Brits may do, they may do this. And all of a sudden, here they come. And, you know, you've got Paul Revere, you've got the whole midnight ride, the British are coming, and there's a sounding of the alarm, if you will. It's not a panic alarm, but it's a call to arms. And I think spiritually speaking, that's what we're experiencing right now. You know, people, uh, Bible prophecy experts for many years, they've written many books, they've talked about speculations, about all these things. But now we're seeing these converging events and converging signs uh, really starting to form before our very eyes. So I do this series right now in, on my ministry podcast about the urgency of Bible prophecy. And, and some of the reasons that I mentioned that it is so urgent that we really understand it now and know about it now is because of, A, the condition of the world, where the world is right now, prophetically speaking. Uh, secondly, the state of the church, uh, where the church is right now, because by and large, the church is still uh, largely pretty ignorant. And I use that term in a technical sense ignorant of Bible prophecy. They haven't been taught it from their pastors. They haven't read about it themselves. They're afraid to death of the book of Revelation Mm -hmm. because it just seems so far out in science fiction and 
you know, something like, you know, Mad Max meets The Walking Dead, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so they're afraid and don't know how to understand it. They just know Jesus is coming, and that's about it. So you've got the state of the church and condition of the world. I talk about the rise of false teachers, how there's a lot of white noise, a lot of misinformation out there about Bible prophecy. And that's one very, very important reason why it's urgent for us to tell the truth about what God actually says, not sensationalized, not work people up into a frenzy, but just simply teach the true word of God. Well, you've heard it from Jeff Kinley, the author of Aftershocks. We're going to talk more about this in his new book after the break. Stay with us for more on A View from the Wall. From I Am a Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am a Watchman Minute. Jesus had confidence in the integrity of the Word of God. He quotes from the Old Testament about 80 times. When he was tempted by Satan after praying and fasting in the wilderness, he responded to the attack by quoting scriptures that were more than 1,400 years old in his day. He did that to show us that no matter how old the Word is, it never loses its power. Those who study and compare the ancient manuscripts with Bibles of today see a consistency unmatched in history. The study of manuscript attestation shows the Bible to be unique, accurate, and divinely inspired. For more information about God's gift, the Bible, visit imawatchman.com and request the free ebook titled Reasons to Believe. Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Welcome back to A View from the Wall. As Joe and I continue our conversation with Jeff Kinley in his new book, Aftershocks, we want to highlight some of the unique aspects he addresses concerning the end times. And Jeff, as I look at your book, you have a chapter entitled Globalism at the Gates. I love that phrase, but let's talk about that for a moment. How is globalism related to the last days? And two, how do you see globalism rising in our world today? Uh, again, that's another great question, and what we see in Scripture is that from Daniel 2, Daniel 7, uh, Revelation 13, Revelation 17, we see where the Scripture tells us there's going to be a coming one-world government eventually in the last days, and that government is going to have authority over the whole earth it, to the point where it'll be able to control uh, people's ec- economies and people's religious affiliations, and Scripture talks about a man called Antichrist that's going to head up that, that government. And so Scripture really prepares us for that, tells us about that ahead of time, and it's going to be uh, essentially a rebirth of the ancient Roman Empire. So that's kind of, a, in a nutshell, what's, what's going on. What's very interesting, though, is that this pandemic that we've just been through, guys, has greatly accelerated talk about that particular kind of government. And we've got calls, everybody from Prince Charles to Tony Blair to Gordon Brown to the former Secretary General of the U.N., uh, to, of course, uh, uh, Klaus Schwab, who is the uh, president and founder of the World Economic Forum. And they are, in fact, saying that there must be a mandated global governance system now. Uh, we have to cast off the, the bonds of capitalism, uh, move towards a more uh, e- equitable type government, which is essentially socialism, uh, to give up our rights for the common good of all. And they want to fundamentally change our, our economic policies, uh, how we pay for things, uh, where we go, and how we're able to pay. And so it's a it's a global governance system that, uh, that they're calling for here. And what I'm seeing right now is that that's what all nations are really beginning to be more sympathetic for. 
you know, first it was just the EU or, you know, the League of Nations around World War One, and then United Nations, and you've got the European Union. Well, now the World Economic Forum is trying to gather all these nations at places like the Davos Summit, where they discuss these things. Joe Biden has been a speaker there many times. And again, they're all calling for all nations to drop their nationalism, come together for the common good. Well, that's exactly what the scripture says is going to happen. Uh, and they're using the pandemic crisis, the COVID crisis, as a springboard into that. Now, whether or not that's going to actually happen because of COVID, we don't know. But we do know this, is that it certainly is making the world more sympathetic uh, for that particular agenda. Because if you think about it, if one small invisible virus can not only bring the whole world to its knees, but bring the world together, what's going to happen when a real super crisis comes, when the next, the mother of all crises comes uh, on the earth? I think that's going to be the perfect time for the Antichrist to step into the void and to inaugurate this government. You mentioned some of those specific events, and we have a tendency to think that way when we're talking about end times, last days, or kind of built around events that are defined in Matthew 24 or Daniel chapter 11. And your book points more to trends. Aftershocks, typically you have one big earthquake, and then you'll have many different you know, aftershocks, several. So when we're talking about trends versus individual events, what trends should we be watching for? Yeah, that's a great point. Well, one of them is, is what we just mentioned, just the trend of globalism uh, growing uh, worldwide, getting more worldwide acceptance. The second one would be more of, of government overreach in individual countries. Um, I'm having a contact with a lot of believers across the world, uh, whether it be in Brazil or England or Italy, places like that, where uh, the government has, has essentially become uh, in all you know, reasonable aspects, totalitarian. I mean, they're controlling when they leave the house, uh, where they go when they leave the house. They're not allowed to uh, to go anywhere except with a government pass. Uh, and so I have a whole chapter called Caesar and God where I talk about government overreach and how during a crisis, government takes advantage of that and wants to increase its reach into our lives, uh, into our pockets, into our lives, into our activities. And we've seen some of that with the whole mask mandate that's going on, uh, that has been going on. Some states are kind of beginning to drop that now. Uh, but now with the mask going away, now we've got another resurgence of government uh, influence and overreach with the whole vaccination thing. And, you know, some states are calling for mandatory uh, vaccines. Uh, there's even this uh, this thing in, in New York right now where they're proposing this Excelsior Pass, which is essentially a digital uh, marking that says that you cannot come into a shop or a store or go get your haircut or whatever unless you have proof that you've been vaccinated. So there's a government aspect of that. That's a trend we're seeing right now that I don't think is going to back off. I think it's only going to be uh, more emboldened with this crisis. And so therefore, there's going to have to be some uh, some fighting against that. But there's that. There's also the, the trend of technology. Technology continues to trend upward uh, and also inward as well. Uh, where technology now we're moving more towards a cashless society, uh, more towards a digital currency. In fact, uh, 41% of all American transactions now are digital. I can't remember the last time uh, that I hardly that I wrote a check, you know, kind of thing. So all this is going to the side. It's preparing us for an age where uh, all of our transactions are going to be digital. And that ties into, I believe, or could very well tie into uh, the Antichrist and the way that he'll rule the earth. Uh, specifically, the scripture says through the, the mark of the beast or 666. So you got that. You got the end times economic collapse that's coming. These are all trends that have have been exacerbated again because of this pandemic. They're aftershocks 
uh, of the pandemic. And uh, experts are saying from the World Economic Forum to the United Nations that it's going to take years and years for us to recover from this. I mean, the world is already in, in debt globally, $250 trillion, uh, and the pandemic has only made that worse. We've been talking with Jeff Kenley, author of the new book, Aftershocks. We'll be back after this break. Stick with us here on A View from the Wall. The rapture can happen at any time. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? What will happen to those left behind? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Included in the Rapture Kit is a Bible and vital information on what the Rapture is and how to prepare for what's to come. The Rapture Kit also includes eight books on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk, and being a watchman for the Lord, plus a number of video and audio teachings all preloaded on an eight gigabyte flash drive. Become more strategic and active in your witnessing. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org. Welcome back. As Joe and I talk with Jeff Kinley, author of the new book, Aftershocks, we want to take some time to challenge and encourage you in this segment. As we look at what's going on in our world today, there's a lot of discussion about culture, about churches and business and political and global culture. But as Christians, can we still influence and change the culture? Or is it a hopeless path that can only lead to the last day's disasters? In other words, are things falling apart or are they falling into place? And what role do we have as believers in all this? Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the world is falling apart, but it's also coming together in terms of, of God's overall plan. And I, I talk to a lot of believers, guys, who are just asking, you know, what can I do? I mean, I, I'm just one person right. in this culture, and and what should I expect? And, you know, it's kind of like when, when you're or when you see a, a war movie or when you've you know, read about war, there are guys that are getting ready to go into battle. And, you know, their commanding officer doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't tell them, hey, everything's going to be just fine. He tells them to be prepared to do your job. And I think that's where the church right now needs to wake up and realize that we do have a job to do. But in order to do that, we've got to be prepared and well-equipped ourselves. We've got to be watchmen on the wall in order to do that. And and what's happening and what I see coming, and I talk about this in Aftershocks, is that there's going to be, I believe, a growing pushback against Christians, against even conservative people, against people that, that have held traditionally Judeo-Christian values is going to be uh, more and more growing opposition from us, not just from the culture, but I think from government as well. Uh, the, the church, I believe, and its message is going to be marginalized and pushed to the edges of, of culture, as opposed to being in the core, the center, kind of the main street uh, square of the culture like it used to be. You know, we've got this cancel culture that's going on right now where essentially people are going after uh, those who are Christian. They're having their uh, their YouTube channels suspended or canceled. They're having their Twitter accounts suspended or canceled. Uh, they're being they're being demonized uh, in the media. And so, what is a Christian to do? And the way I respond to that is to simply say, you know what? That seems to describe the early church. <laughs> that seems to describe exactly what was going on in the Book of Acts and throughout the epistles. 
as they face their culture, I mean, they're, they're living under the Caesars during this time, guys. It's not just a, a liberal president with some bad agenda. This is the Caesar who is gathering up Christians to either burn alive or to throw into the Colosseum to be eaten alive by lions. And so uh, they faced that. They faced opposition. They were called atheists because they didn't believe in the Caesar gods. They were called cannibals because they took the Lord's Supper of the body and, and, and blood. They were called um, uh they were accused of incest because it says they were supposed to love their brothers and sisters. So they were marginalized. You know, they were uh, attacked. They were bullied. They were mocked. And yet, and yet they changed the course of history because they had the power of the Holy Spirit inside them and the word of God empowering them. And we have the exact same thing. And, you know, sometimes we think it's our, our slick technology or our media or our platform or all this stuff, but in the end, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, and every believer has that power within them. So I tell believers, develop relationships. You don't have to be a Billy Graham, but God just wants you to reach out to those that you can put your arm around and have a positive spiritual gospel influence in their lives. That is such a good word, Jeff. Thank you so much for that. You mentioned Watchmen on the Wall, and we have a group of followers who listen to this program and describe themselves as Watchmen and women. They watch, warn, witness, exactly to your point, and seek to finish well in these last days. For those who are listening today, what's the role of a Watchman in what you describe as an era of global crisis? Yeah, well, I would think the first job of a Watchman would be to know how to see. And what I mean by that is they need to know how to look at the world, how to look over the wall to see what's coming. And so I think that, uh, you know, just like an ancient watchman would see an enemy approaching the gates and, and they would sound the alarm. That's exactly what we need to see. We need to look and see how the enemy is approaching and how the times in which we are living are, are beginning to infringe upon, you know, our basic human rights, but also uh, our Christianity and our faith. And so just to be discerning, I think, is a really important point of that. Uh, which is part of what your program really does. It helps believers be discerning. I'd say the second thing would be uh, simply to to wake up uh, personally in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what Christ told the, the church at Sardis in Revelation 3, too. He said, guys, wake up and then repent, return to the things that, that really matter. And so I think believers today need to be aware, but they need to wake up in their personal lives with Christ and really begin to pursue a dynamic intimacy with Jesus on a daily basis. And then the, the final thing I would just say would be to speak up. You know, it's very easy to um, to kind of be shouted down uh, by the world's philosophies and by those who are very emotional out there in the world and on social media. But now is the time to speak up. Now's the time for boldness, uh, for obviously to be loving, not to be abrasive, but to be very bold and confident about what we believe. The more confidence we have in the Lord and in his power through us, uh, the more we'll be able to speak up. And of course, that's going to draw the fire of the enemy. And so that's why we need each other in the church to support each other. When one gets wounded, we help them. You know, we don't we don't throw them out of the, the gate, you know, the walls. We, we help that person to come back to full strength. So we need the body of Christ now more than ever. And when we do that, we have that kind of encouragement that empowers us as a whole and that helps the gospel go forward. Well, that's well said. And it makes me think of Revelation 2 and 3, where Jesus gives letters to the seven churches. And in his final and seventh letter to the church at Laodicea, he talks about this issue of being lukewarm and how he condemned them for it and told them he would rather them be cold or hot and not lukewarm. And our final minute or two together, Jeff, talk a little bit about what it means to not be lukewarm, but to be hot or to be bold in our faith in Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, I think part of it means, uh, you know, Colossians 3.2 says to set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And, you know, you've got the old saying that, that, that someone may be so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I've actually found the opposite to be true, that most Christians are so earthly minded, they're really no heavenly good. Yes. I think we need to set our minds on more spiritual values, more spiritual things. I think what that does is that keeps us kind of daily aware of not only what's going out there, but what's going on in our own heart, our own lives, our relationships with people, our relationships with the Lord. And that way, that keeps us from becoming complacent, from just settling. You know, I, I remember Abraham Lincoln said something one time after attending a church service. His uh, secret service uh, or, or attendant said to him afterwards, he said, Mr. President, what did you think of the sermon? And President Lincoln said, I think it was horrible. And he said, well, why, why do you think it was so horrible? He said, because the preacher did not ask something great of us. Mm. And I think many times in the church today that we have pastors, and even for ourselves, we're not asking something great of ourselves. We're just simply doing life. We're going from day to day and doing the mundane tasks that we all have to do in life. But at the same time, we have to say, God, what is something great I can do for you? How can I challenge myself to step out by faith? And so one way we can keep from being lukewarm is to continually ask the Lord, Lord, take me up to my A-level game. I want to improve my faith experience with you. I want to be a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And in the end, if we have that kind of spirit and attitude, it's going to make us a lot harder to be complacent. And, And then also just finally just to surround ourselves with some people who are like that, because, you know, like produces like. A disciple is not above his teacher, and so we'll actually become like those we surround ourselves with. So pick out maybe one or two people in your life and you can say, hey, I want to follow their example and then do it. Well, we've been talking with Jeff Kinley, author of the new book, Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis. You can pick that up and find out more about Jeff at jeffkinley.com. You can also listen to his podcast there and find out more about his ministry. We want to thank you, Jeff, for being with us, and thank you to our listeners as well. We appreciate you joining us today, and we are here to serve you. Listen again and enjoy all of our programs at iamawatchman.com. Again, it's iamawatchman.com, and join us next time on A View from the Wall. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the donate button. Thanks for listening and join us again next time on A View from the Wall.